Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Bite Size Nutrition Podcast. Today, we are going to talk about something that came up on a client call the other day, and I was like, this deserves a podcast, and that is self-sabotage. And so we are going to address self-sabotage today in a little bit of a more compassionate light. I think sometimes when we self-sabotage, we think, I need to be harder on myself. And we're actually going to go into some actionable tips for how to identify self-sabotage and then what you can do to remedy that. And so first, before we jump in, I want to just give a little bit of a life update. I got some lovely feedback that they were like, people were like, I like hearing about your life. So if you don't like hearing about my life, you can skip to about five minutes into this podcast where I will start talking about self-sabotage, but I wanted to chat a little bit. So I am in Vienna and I'm still in Vienna. I will be here until October and then I will be going to the United States for a little while. And it's been really interesting because so coming from Barcelona, where I know a ridiculous amount of people, I've been there for eight years in Vienna. I don't know anybody. And so This for me has been a real test of being on my own and also like starting to make new friends and making new friends as an adult is freaking hard. It really, really is. I'm really lucky because I think this year, so in breaking up with my, I broke up with um, a boyfriend of mine and who's a lovely human, not for me. Um, We broke up in April or May. I can't remember. And when I broke up with him, I sort of started like delving into creating new friendships. And this as a a single woman in your thirties, if you are in, if you're an adult, I imagine if you're listening, you are an adult. Um, Maybe you're not, but making friends when you're not in school, or especially when you are a, an entrepreneur that works from home and you don't have like people in the office that you get to talk to, Um, making new friends is hard and making like deep connections, which as someone that is sort of introverted, I, I really, I hate small talk. It drives me freaking crazy. It's hard to make friends and it's hard to make friends that you truly connect with. And in Barcelona over the last few months, sort of since I broke up with my ex, I had really started to develop new friendships. And part of that was because I've gotten a lot better at communicating how I really feel, which I was always the person that was like, oh yeah, I'm totally fine. When like inside I was not fine, but I didn't recognize that. So therapy has been real helpful for that one, but it's also being more in touch with my own emotions has been really helpful and helping me connect with other people and really talking to them about how they feel about things. And being in Vienna has been an interesting test of like, can I make new friends literally from scratch? And so I've made a couple new friends and they are freaking awesome. Um, so if you are listening by any chance to this podcast, thank you for being my friend. You're great. And I'm excited to continue over the next couple of weeks, developing some new friendships. Um, I've also, I've been on the dating apps. I'm on hinge and I'm on bumble and I'm sort of approaching that as like, yeah, I'm not trying to like find the love of my life in the next two weeks, but if I can meet some people that are cool, whether they're guys or actually one guy that I met on hinge invited or introduced me to some of his girlfriends, which is really cool. So making friends there. And yeah, I think, I think one of the things that we forget is that we all already have our own lives and our own shit, and we are all the protagonists of our own stories. And so we think that like, oh, this person doesn't want to be friends with me. They don't have time for me. And so that means that we end up maybe like not reaching out or not opening up as much. 
And I think that something that's been really helpful for me is to remember that we all have that stuff going on in our heads of like, this person doesn't like me. And if you truly want to connect with someone and want to get to know them better, let them know that. And that for me is like, I used to not do that because I wanted to be like, cool. Like, I don't want this person to know how desperate I am. And it's not being desperate. It's just being human. So yeah, if you're struggling to create new friendships right now as an adult, feel free to send me a message on Instagram or shoot me an email or whatever. Um, I'm happy to share the experience that I've gone through or even just to commiserate with how hard it is to make new friends. But with that, let's talk a little bit about self-sabotage. So here's the situation. Let's say you've got a nutrition or fitness goal. This could really apply to kind of any goal, but we're going to keep it in the realm of nutrition and fitness. And you are diligently ticking off the boxes, doing all the things that you feel like you should be doing. But despite those efforts, you're not seeing the progress that you expected. You're not seeing the time frame, like the progress in the time frame that you expected. And that's frustrating. And so what do you do? You rebel. You rebel against like, I should be doing all of these things, but they're not working. I'm not seeing progress fuck this. And you think like, why am I even bothering doing this stuff? I might as well just do whatever I want because I'm not seeing progress anyways. What I'm doing isn't working. So why am I even making the effort? And so maybe for you, that means you end up overeating or you just sort of like throw out any attempts that you have to quote unquote eat healthy. Maybe you start skipping the gym or staying up super late. Maybe you start beating yourself up mentally when really what you need is a little bit of self-compassion. And it feels like you're sabotaging yourself. It feels like you're sabotaging these efforts that you're making to make changes in your life. And so before we hop into why this happens and what to do about it, let's define what self-sabotage is. And I want to also recognize that like there are different levels of this, right? Like someone that's self-sabotaging, like that might be someone that is literally like going out and getting like shit face drunk when what they really need to be doing is like going to bed so they can go to work. And so they end up literally sabotaging their career because they're out drinking. That's not what we're talking about today because I don't believe I'm qualified to talk about that because that is significant of a much sort of deeper issue. But this is the definition I have for self-sabotage. Self-sabotage occurs when we destroy ourselves physically, mentally, or emotionally, or deliberately hinder our own success and well-being by undermining personal goals and values. So. I don't love the word destroy here because I think often we're not actually trying to destroy ourselves. We're just sort of like, I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to go back into a pattern that feels more comfortable. And so a lot of the time, I think what we think is self-sabotage is actually a warning sign that we need to change the methods that we're using to approach something, especially in health and fitness, and especially when it comes to something like fat loss. And so I would like to change that and call self-sabotage a rebellion against yourself in pursuit of a goal. And I'm going to repeat that. Um, Sorry about that. And so I would like to reframe self-sabotage. And I would like to call self-sabotage a rebellion against yourself in pursuit of a goal. And there are sort of three main reasons I've identified that can cause this rebellion. And those are impatience, unrealistic expectations, and lack of self-esteem or self-belief. And so specifically when it comes to impatience, 
often what comes up is maybe you're an instant gratification type person. Maybe you identify as a little bit impulsive and you want what you want and you want it right now. When it comes to unrealistic expectations, there's a couple sides to this. One is you're pushing yourself way too hard to reach a goal or make a change. And your self-sabotage is actually your way of being like, hey, you are pushing me too hard, you being yourself, or you're expecting a certain result in a time frame that's just not realistic. And so impatience kicks in and you get fed up with waiting for something that realistically was never going to happen in the time frame you expected anyways. And then the third one is lack of self-esteem or self-belief. And so on one side, let's say you truly believe that exercising is important to your health. It's something that you quote unquote should be doing, but you also self-identify as someone who hates exercising and is quote unquote bad at exercising. And so self-sabotage might be a response to that feeling of like being exposed and that feeling of being open to like, Hey, I'm not good at this thing. I don't believe that I can handle this thing. And so self-sabotage might come up as a way of, of feeling like, I don't know if I can handle this. I don't know if I believe in myself to do this thing. And so I want you to take a moment and think back to a time that you self-sabotaged. Was it because you got impatient because you weren't seeing results or your expectations of yourself or your expectations of the results? Maybe a bit unrealistic, perhaps. What about your self-belief or self-esteem? Were you maybe feeling like I don't have the capacity to achieve what I want to achieve, or I don't believe that I can actually do this? And so again, self-sabotage is an indicator in many cases that your methods need to change, not that you are incapable or unworthy of the goal you set for yourself. So I did say sometimes, I actually, I think all the time that self-sabotage is not an indicator of your self-worth or that you're unworthy of the goal. I think that we need to look at our methods. And that's something like a lot of the time I hear this, that it's like, well, I've tried everything. So I might as well just not try anymore. And this is not an indication that you're not capable. It's an indication that the methods that you've approached these challenges with in the past were just not the right methods for you to achieve what you want to achieve. And so For me, for example, and this is a really, this is one that I, in the moment was like, oh my God, I'm sabotaging myself. But this is where I want to illustrate to you where like methods sometimes are really what is happening here. And it's this unrealistic expectation that we have or the unrealistic result that we're expecting. And so I can think back to when I was dieting, I was weighing and measuring everything I ate, super strict with what I was eating. And I would quote unquote self-sabotage all the freaking time. I would quote unquote, eat perfectly all week long. And then, and I have like a specific instance in my mind of I of going to a barbecue with my friends on the weekend. And I ate so much because they had all of these things that I would not let myself eat. They had chips, they had, they had like different kinds of like crunchy, delicious things. There were, I think there were brownies there. There was a ton of like different meats. I love barbecue. Barbecue is so good. There's all this food that I did not let myself eat. And so I would eat so much that I left feeling physically terrible. And then of course, because I was obsessed with my body, I would step on the scale to see the quote unquote damage. And I would feel like I had self-sabotaged myself. And this was not self-sabotage. This was an indication that I needed to change my methods and change my mindset. So here's a couple other examples of how you might be quote unquote self-sabotaging, but it's really just a need to adjust methods and mindset. And that might be like 
cutting out all carbs and then feeling completely out of control when there, when you've got like cookies or cake or bread or ice cream or whatever it is in front of you, it could be burning yourself out in the gym overtraining and then being like, ah, screw this. I can't, I just need a break. And just like ditching the gym for however long, like that's not actually self-sabotage. That's your body being like, I need a break. Another example would be trying to stick to a super low calorie intake and then binging on quote unquote junk food over the weekend. And again, these are not self-sabotage. They are reactions to restriction and reactions to creating unrealistic expectations of yourself. And so if you keep letting yourself down and you're like, well, is it self-sabotage? What am I doing? Please keep listening. And also consider setting up a call with me to chat about this and consider coaching. And so A thinking pattern that supports self-sabotaging behavior is a thinking pattern that in psychology is called cognitive dissonance. I'll say that in a normal voice, cognitive dissonance. And essentially what this is, is trying to hold two conflicting ideas, values, or beliefs at the same time. And they end up clashing and you end up feeling like shit. So let's say you really want to eat healthy but you find yourself ordering takeout for most meals, or you believe like, I just don't have time to prioritize healthy food. So on one side, you have this belief that eating healthy is really important. But on the other side, you have this belief that like, I just don't have the capacity to take this on. And so those clash and they cause a lot of guilt and what we call cognitive dissonance. Or maybe you are someone that you want to exercise consistently. You believe exercise is super important for what you want to achieve in your life but you keep making excuses not to move or being like, oh, well, I'm just lazy. And so that's this, that's two conflicting beliefs. And I'll give you one more example. You know, I love examples, big fan of examples is maybe you have this belief of like, well, I just have a crazy sweet tooth. I have zero self-control around sweets, but you also hold this strong belief that sugar is really bad for you. And so then what happens is like the expression of this cognitive dissonance is you're sort of sneaking around and like hiding your sugar intake and it ends up feeling really terrible. And so you feel that, oh my gosh, me eating all of the sugar is self-sabotage, but really you're just struggling with some cognitive dissonance. And when I coach people, this shows up in conversation as ambivalence. And so this is like, we I talk about that. I think about this. I don't, yeah, I think about this as change talk versus sustained talk. And this is, this comes from a technique that I've studied called motivational interviewing. And this is a technique in which when I talk to my coaching clients, we talk about what they want to change and how ready they feel to change those things. And then I support them in that. And so what can, how this can come up is this ambivalence, this, you know, on one side, I really want to change this thing, but I also have really good reasons not to change this thing. And so when I coach clients, we talk through benefits and disadvantages of a change. And so you might find like, I'm telling myself I need to do one thing, but then I'm actually doing this other thing. And it's likely that you're struggling with some of that cognitive dissonance. And this can come up, you know, maybe you find yourself rationalizing or justifying behavior. You might even start making like self-deprecating jokes about yourself or about your abilities. And so I want to make sure that we move into actionable tips because this, again, I feel like lately I've been doing longer episodes and I'd, I'd love to know how you feel about those longer episodes, but I think these are really important topics to cover. And you know that I always want to add the actionable tips for you. And I want to talk about two other really important factors in self-sabotage before we get to those actionable tips. And those two factors are delayed gratification and distress tolerance. And I'm going to explain to you what those are. 
So delayed gratification, sometimes we refer to this as willpower, self-control, discipline. You can call it whatever you want, but essentially what it is, is exchanging an immediate reward for a future reward. And so maybe instead of calling it willpower, maybe you want to call it patience. It's really up to you what you want to call this. But really, this is just this idea of like, you know, let's say someone offers you $5 now and $20 in a week. Like, are you able to to delay the gratification enough to wait for the $20 in a week, right? And this obviously shows up in different ways. Like, for example, exercising is like the delayed gratification of exercising. It really depends on how you are defining success. So for example, delayed gratification in an exercise session could just be like, I have to get through this exercise session to have like the feeling of endorphins afterwards. But maybe you're focusing on, only like I'm only exercising for fat loss. And so that delayed gratification is like way in the future, which makes it a lot harder to stick to. And delayed gratification does take a certain level of distress tolerance. And distress tolerance is being able to sit with uncomfortable emotions, sensations, or thoughts. Basically, can you tolerate a certain level of distress in order to get to where you want to go? And a lot of the time self-sabotage happens because we're reacting to an immediate discomfort rather than being sort of mindful and present to the discomfort and being able to sit through it in exchange for what we want in the future. And so it is a skill and it's an ability that you can build. And it's about being able to really sit with and accept like, I am experiencing discomfort right now. These are the things that might be coming up in my body or in my mind. And I can accept that and I can choose not to react on it. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in the actionable tips part of the episode. And I want to share, you may have heard of the marshmallow study. And this was an interesting study that they did with kids um, using marshmallows to test essentially delayed gratification. And basically what they did is they took a bunch of, they took kids and gave them, you know, they told them like, hey, they put a marshmallow on the table in front of them. And they were like, hey, you can eat this marshmallow now, or if you wait, I will give you two marshmallows. I don't remember how much time was in between. And then the researcher left the room. And this was really to see like, are kids able to delay gratification and handle, like, do they have distress tolerance when this thing is right in front of them? And it was really interesting because they followed these kids over the years and and the ability to to delay gratification and wait for the two marshmallows later actually indicated or not indicated, it was correlated, not, it didn't cause, it was correlated with interesting outcomes as far as like SAT scores, um, getting into different colleges. And so delayed gratification is actually a really, really helpful skill to build. And the reason I say that it's a skill is because we know that we can work on building skills. These, these aren't things that like necessarily you're just born with. Some people tend to be better at it. And some people tend to not be as good at it, but you can build the skill. And it does take a certain level of self-control or self-regulation to develop. But I want to let you know, it's not the same type of self-control that you hear about over and over in diet culture. And one of the most powerful ways to start developing these skills is like I mentioned before, mindfulness. So being able to sit with and be present to thoughts and emotions, and also recognizing that thoughts are just information. Thoughts are not directions. And so I am going to repeat that. And that is 
one of the most powerful ways to start developing the skill of delayed gratification, the skill of distress tolerance is mindfulness, being present to your thoughts and your emotions and recognizing that thoughts are just information. They are not directions. So you can be present to that little voice telling you like, oh, just eat the cake or, oh, just skip the gym. And you can also be present to the fact that that little voice is just information. It is not telling you what you need to do. That little voice can exist without you acting on it. So you can let thoughts just be thoughts. So basically you've gotten to this. Self-sabotage happens because either you're impatient and you can benefit from working on delayed gratification skills and distress tolerance, or because you've set completely unrealistic expectations of yourself or of the process towards a goal, or because you simply don't believe in your capacity to rise to a challenge or to learn the skills you need to address obstacles. And so actionable tips time. I don't know why I'm singing today. Apparently it's a good song, a a good sign. Apparently I read something the other day that singing is a sign of happiness, which I guess I'm generally a happy person, although I did cry my eyes out on Sunday. So, but you know, that's fine. That's cool. Good. We're all good. I'm fine. Don't worry. I'm fine. So actionable tips, (laughs) identify your self-sabotage triggers. And so this might be like, do you tend to just literally not give a fuck when you're tired? Or let's say you start the day running late and you're kind of stressed out and then you're like, oh my gosh, I just really don't care. Maybe you feel like I overate at one meal and then I ruined the entire day. So might as well just keep going and eat whatever I want. I want you to sit down and actually write out the moments that you notice that sort of fuck it thought or the I'm not worth it thought. And I want you to identify those triggers. And over the next week or two, come back to the list and add to it. And so an example here is for one of my clients, she was dying to start meal prepping, but she identified that one of her self-sabotage triggers in the path towards that goal was that she would often go to the grocery store exhausted and starving. And so what would happen is, although she had the best intentions to meal prep, she would just break down mentally and feel like I'm completely overwhelmed and I can't do this. And so she felt like she was really sabotaging that meal prep goal, but we identified that the real trigger was actually exhaustion and hunger. And so if we hadn't have identified that, she would have been really stuck feeling inadequate and feeling like she wasn't capable, but we were able to identify like what were the triggers for the self-sabotaging behaviors. And then we could actually work on managing exhaustion and hunger and changing. Like she just told me, we had a call yesterday. She's like, you know what? Actually meal prepping in the morning works for me. Amazing. Next actionable tip, start practicing the skill of sitting with discomfort. And so I call, well, I don't call this. This is actually terminology that's used in a lot of nutrition coaching. It's used in psychology and it is called surfing the urge. And urges and cravings are like a wave. They ebb, so they peak, they ebb and peak and they flow. So they like have a peak and then they go down. But what happens is we often give into an urge when it's at its peak. So when the wave is at sort of its highest point, that's when we end up reacting to it. And so we can start practicing the skill of sitting with that discomfort and know that that discomfort is going to hit a peak. And then it is probably going to go down because like just like an urge rises, it falls. And this is a technique that I work on with a lot of my clients and something we go over in the Confident Eater, which is my group coaching program. And 
I'm not going to go into it here, but if you are signed up for my email list, I'm going to be sharing uh, a part of the curriculum that I have for my clients that has a mini training on surfing the urge. And so if you are signed up for my emails, you will receive that this week. If you are not signed up for my emails, please make sure to get on the email list so that you will get that mini training. And it is, so you can follow the link in the show notes or it is bitesize.ck.page backslash newsletter. And that again is in the show notes for this episode. And if for some reason you missed it, send me a DM on Instagram and I'm happy to share that video with you. Next actionable tip. Let's get real clear and take a look at your expectations. Are you being realistic with what you're expecting from yourself and what your progress towards a goal actually looks like? Be really freaking honest, like really honest. And honestly, I just, I don't know why I said that again. I feel weird when I say like the same word over and over. It's a weird thing I have, but some of having realistic expectations might require some re-education or just some education in the first place. And so, for example, this is one that pops up a lot is you might expect a certain amount of weight loss in a month is realistic because you saw it on, you know, somebody promoting it on Instagram. But for example, let's say 10 kilograms in a month, like that for 99% of people is absolutely unrealistic, like absolutely unrealistic. And so we might self-sabotage ourselves if we expect to lose a certain amount that someone's like, lose this with my blah, blah, blah program, which is total bullshit. And so you create this expectation, you end up disappointed, and then you self-sabotage. So that self-sabotage could have been avoided if you just had a realistic expectation in the first place. And so you want to be brutally honest with yourself and self-compassionate, and then also parentheses, ask for help and education if you need it, because a lot of what we find just Googling stuff is actual bullshit. And if your expectations of yourself, for example, are only expectations that you are able to meet when like the stars align, life is perfect and work is totally calm, then those expectations, my friend, are too high. This is going to be a shameless plug for coaching because a coach is literally there to help you evaluate your expectations of yourself, your expectations of the process, and help you create a process that works for your capacity and your capabilities so that you do not constantly feel like you're sabotaging yourself. The next, so I only have two more actionable tips here, and then we're going to wrap up. The next one is change how you talk to yourself. And this takes intentional work of recognizing how you're talking to yourself and then re-talking to yourself in a different voice. So let's say you're, you describe yourself in your head. You're like, I'm just an all or nothing person. I either do things perfectly or I don't do it at all. You're basically setting yourself up to self-sabotage. Let's say you say to yourself, oh, I'm just impulsive. I have no self-control. Then yeah, anytime you do something impulsive, you are proving yourself right and perpetuating that cycle. Part of self-belief is letting yourself know, hey, I believe I'm capable of change. And so this might look like changing a narrative of, oh, I'm just impulsive. I have no self-control. You might change that to, I am learning to become more patient and I am learning how to improve my distress tolerance skills. Last actionable tip I have for you, take a look at your social influences, especially if you're looking at changing your behavior and it's feeling challenging. This can be really, really helpful because social influences play like they play into the way that we do things and the way that we normalize things. And so, for example, if you're trying to reduce your alcohol intake and it's 
and you keep sabotaging yourself by going out and getting wasted, like not drinking is going to feel weird if all of your friends are heavy drinkers. And so it's going to be even easier to sabotage those attempts to not drink as much because your social influences are all drinkers. Or if your environment, you know, for example, let's say you're, you're like, I really want to change my relationship with food in my body, but all of your friends, whenever you go out, they, they body bash themselves. They talk about their new diets. They're like, oh my gosh, I, you know, I can't eat this because I'm on a detox or whatever it is. Like that narrative is going to sound really normalized to you. And so you might find yourself falling back into those patterns, even though you're trying to get out of them. So maybe you're, you go to a workout class and the trainer is like, you got to burn off blah, 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 or you need to earn your carbs. And so because that is part of your social influence, when you take actions that don't align with that rhetoric that is constantly in your environment, it's going to feel a little bit weird. And so seeking out people and environments and groups that normalize the way you want to see yourself and the way that you want to act is really helpful. And sometimes we can't fully change our environment. And so this is why I think social media is great, starting to follow and unfollow people that you know show you the things that support the person you want to be and unfollow people that are supporting a rhetoric that you're trying to let go of. Um, online groups, again, a coach. Um, I have my accountability group, which is amazing for this because it is the accountability group is literally a group of like-minded individuals all working towards similar health goals. So that's really helpful. And we are getting to the end here, friends. And I want to mention this. I really, really encourage you to be compassionate with yourself as you work on building new skills and breaking old patterns. When I work with clients, there's often a lot of excitement, especially at first around building new skills, taking on new habits, and they will often have an old habit resurface. And that's totally normal. Maybe they end up eating emotionally or stress eating, something like that. And then they feel like, oh, that's self-sabotage. And it's a sign that what I'm doing isn't working. And that's not true because self-sabotaging behaviors actually at their root in many, in many cases are about keeping yourself safe because exposing yourself, risking failure, it feels scary, especially if Failure is something that you're not comfortable with. Like if you don't feel okay handling failure or if you're a self-identified perfectionist, yeah, it's gonna feel easier to self-sabotage and go back into old patterns than it is to put yourself out there and learn new skills, challenge the way that you think, et cetera, et cetera. And I wanna let you know that even in the process of improvement, old shit is gonna pop back in to say hello. Like, I'm really good at not eating in response to my emotions, but that doesn't mean that sometimes I don't want to eat in response to my emotions. That doesn't mean that I'm falling back into old patterns or I'm self-sabotaging. It simply means that those old patterns still exist, but I now have new skills to deal with them. And so it's only self-sabotage if you let it be self-sabotage because failure can actually be a super helpful learning experience. If you need a little help on working on failure, go back and listen. I think it's episode four specifically on failure. And I will link that in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, give it a share. I have to say this might have been one of my favorite ones to record. I feel like I just had fun with this one. So, and I'd love to hear back from you. Like your feedback is incredibly valuable. So please let me know how you like this. Please let me know what you got out of this. I would love to hear your takeaways. And know that if you'd like to chat about coaching, if you'd like to set up a call with me, um, if you want to learn more about what it would look like to work with me, 
you can check out the links in the show notes to schedule a call. You can also just go to bitesize.es. So that's B-I-T-E-S-I-Z-E dot E-S. You can read client testimonials there. You can download um, or you can sign up for my mindful eating mini course. You can also schedule a call through my website too. And with that friend, thank you for being here. I hope that you have a lovely rest of the day doing whatever it is that you're doing. And I'll see you again next time.